first loved us. Thank you so much. Let's thank all of those ministering us in song today. Let's thank them. to love him. He's not hard to love, is he? We are, but he is love, and he loves us. Thank the Lord for his word. Philippians chapter 1. Good to see my father-in-law here. This is my wife's dad. He's, see, he's even amening me. Good to see. He's good to see. He's, he's the proud pastor of Decatur Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia for 40, 42 years and counting. All right, amen. Whatever he said, and there's no telling what it is. Amen. 40, 40 long years. He says, for 40 long years, he's, he's going to take another lap around 40 more years. Amen. So good to have him here with us. We've, we've enjoyed his time with us here these last several days. Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter one. Last week, we introduced our theme for 2024. Y'all remember it? 2024? More and more. 2024. More and more. There it is, right on the screen. It even rhymes. And so we do want more and more, don't we? Yes, indeed. Absolutely. That is the goal, and that is our desire, more and more. So as we've been looking at that last week, we derive it from Philippians chapter number 1. And this is Paul praying for the church at Philippi. The preacher praying for the people. Can I give you something for free? My daddy said, I wouldn't give you a pluck nickel. I looked it up one time to see what it was. Look it up. It's an interesting story, but I'm just going to say it. He said, I wouldn't give you a pluck nickel. I'm going finish, to finish the phrase. For a preacher who doesn't pray for his people. Somebody's praying for you. This somebody's praying for you about 4.30 this morning. What, what, that, whatever good God put in you would abound more and more. That's the prayer. So there it is. You see it in the text. And this I pray, verse 9, it is. That your what? Yeah, not everything that calls itself love is love. Can I get an amen? We talked about that last week, right? Eros love and phileo love. Store J love, I mean, romantic love and friendship love and, and family love is not the same as agape love. Amen. This is what he's talking about. That's your love. Not, not your feelings for somebody that change when they get on your nerves. Preach, pastor. But that your love may abound, yet what? More and more. That's our theme. Now, today, we want to we work our way towards it, and we'll take the next several weeks to work to verse number 9. But how many know there are a few numbers before you get to 9? So let's look at verse number 1, and maybe just, maybe just one, maybe we'll get to 2 today. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody's thinking, now, Pastor, where in the world are you going to get preaching out of that? G 
just give me a few moments. There's preaching in the first two verses. And sometimes you can't enjoy the main verse because you didn't enjoy the verses leading up to it. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me be a blessing. Use me as you have time and time again. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Remember, Acts chapter number 16, Paul is headed out on his second missionary journey. He's got Timothy. He's got Silas. He's got Luke with him. And they're headed on an itinerary that this great missionary has planned. He heads out Acts 16. Look at him in your own studies when you get some time. Everywhere he had planned, God shut down. How many of you could raise your hand today and say, God has shut down some of my plans? I mean, I thought I was, but I wouldn't. I thought I did, but I didn't. I tried to, and I couldn't. I tried not to, and I still did. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How many of you are fine with God changing things when you know it's for his glory and for your good? So this is what he does for Paul. No, you're not going to Bithynia. No, you're not going to Asia. No, no, no. God shuts him down. He's, he's there at Troas just waiting on what door is going to be open. And he gets a vision, and it's a vision of a man from Macedonia crying out to him, saying, come over and help us. And he obeyed that vision that God gave him. And so instead of going where he planned, he went where God sent him. And he ends up in Macedonia. He ends up in Philippi, which is one of those places in Macedonia, and in Philippi, Acts chapter 16, people get saved. Aren't you glad people can get saved anywhere? Come on. In the ghetto, in the rurals, in America, in the foreign country, if they hear the truth of the gospel, Jesus died, he was buried, and rose again, people can get saved. So how do you know people can get saved? Because I'm saved. And you're saved. If you got saved, God can save anybody. So in Acts 16, we see people get saved. A damsel in distress who's using her body for gains, and men are making money off of this girl. She gets saved, and she drops her job and follows Jesus. By the way, when you get saved, you ought to follow Jesus. Amen. That's what a Christian is, a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what the Christian life is, getting in line and going where Jesus is going. Not keeping up with the Joneses, not keeping up with political correctness, not keeping up with fads and trends and paradigms, but keeping up with Jesus, being followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This damsel gets saved, she follows Jesus. Lydia sells purple, she follows Jesus. Then Paul and the, Paul and the gang get locked up in prison because the religious people don't like that people are getting saved. The people in town don't like that people are getting saved. The men that don't have this girl working for them anymore don't like that people are getting saved. So they lock up Paul and Silas, and there they are in prison. And at midnight, they're not complaining, they're not whining, they're not discouraged, they're not distressed. They're singing praises to God. Let me tell you something. You can sing in the midst of your struggles. And they got a hold of God. God shook up that prison, and the chains fell off, and the bars fell down, and he freed them. And they're getting ready to leave, and the prison guard is getting ready to kill himself because he has lost the prisoners on duty, and right before he does, Paul stops him and says, don't kill yourself. We are all here. We're not gone. And this man, seeing the testimony of these fellows in their trials, asked the question that every sinner needs to ask, what must I do to be saved? And Paul made it very simple. By the way, he didn't say join a church. He didn't say turn over a new leaf. He didn't say get baptized. He didn't say run around. He didn't say catch the Holy Ghost. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, aren't you glad that all you got to do to be saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? And so the prison guard in his house, they all get saved. So this is the formation of the church at Philippi. Everybody listening? More people like this got saved. Paul established this church. And now later, from a prison cell in Rome, he's writing back 
to this church a letter from jail. And he's writing this letter on joy. Talk about it. Talking about joy from jail. Talking about joy from jail. Last week we learned the only way you can talk about joy from jail is if you got real bona fide joy. Why? Because happiness is based on happenings. Can I get an amen? There's a lot that happens in your life that doesn't go well. And when it doesn't go well, you lose your happiness because your happiness is based on happenings. But your joy is based on Jesus. Aren't you glad he's always going well? Aren't you glad he's always good? Aren't you glad he never changes? Aren't you glad he never fails? Aren't you glad he's God and God all the time? So Paul's writing on joy. And in Philippians chapter 1, he's writing on joy to the Philippians, basically saying, if I have joy from jail, you certainly should have joy from Philippi. By the way, Carol Johnson can have joy beside the bed of her husband that just went home to be with the Lord. You ought to be able to have joy from a church pew this morning. And if you don't have it, it's because you've got happiness. And if you don't have happy, if you're not happy because you lost your job, you need to trade your happiness for joy. Listen to me. You can't get joy from Walmart. You can't get joy from Amazon. You can't get joy from eBay. You can't get joy from Oprah or Dr. Phil. You can't get joy from the pharmacy. You can't get joy from the right hand shake of a preacher. You can't get joy from Google. You can't get joy from college institutions. You cannot get a bunch of ingredients, put it in a pan, and whip up joy. Joy comes from the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love joy. Listen to me. you got to walk with God to have joy. You can't just keep propping a smile up on your face and trying to fake it till you make it. Listen, that's not what real Christians do. They don't act like they're happy when they really They don't put on a good face because they come there. They don't make people think they love. They don't just wave their hand because they're trying to signify. Real Christians have joy. It's not fake. It's not a front. It's not fluff. It's not fraud. They've got joy because they get it from Jesus that the Holy Spirit is producing from the inside. It's inside out, not outside in. You can't fake it. You've got to really have it. You can only get it from God. And you only get it from God when you walk in the Spirit. And you can only walk in the Spirit when you are emptied of sin and cleansed of the flesh and deciding I'm going to let God have control. So he's writing to this church that he's burdened. And he says, <laughs> I, I want to write you about your love, something they already had. And he clearly used the word agape, agape. I won't have the fellas put it up again because we won't go through it all again. You can go back and watch it from last week or listen. But, but, but those different loves in the Bible, they have different meanings. And the only love that God has for us is agape love. It's unconditional love. He doesn't stop loving us when we mess up. Otherwise, he wouldn't love us very much. It's irrespective of rights. It's, it's not a fuzzy feeling. It's, it's not based on the way I'm treated. It's, it's not a reciprocal love that's only given if it's given by the other. That's what phileo love is, where we get the word Philadelphia, brotherly love. That's what love, that's what friendship love is. You're my friend. I'm your friend. You do for me. I do for you. You don't do for me. I do. You came to my party. I go to your party. You gave me a gift. I gave you a gift. You ain't give me one. You marking off my list. That's what phileo love is. Agape love says I love you because I choose to. I love you because God loves me. That's what, every time the Bible says God loves us, it's agape. Every time God tells us to love him, it's agape. Every time God tells us to love other people, it's agape love. Clearly, Philippians already had agape love because he wouldn't have said I want it to abound unless they already, you can't abound in something unless you already have it. Somebody help me preach. See, the word abound means to overflow. Listen to me. It can't overflow if it doesn't first exist. Amen. There ain't nothing coming out the pot if ain't nothing in the pot. 
Praise God. I'm glad that I pastor a church that's got some good in it. Amen. I'm glad there's some loving people that have learned love from love himself. I'm glad that there are people that love those that are hurting and love our folks that are in the hospital, love our folks that are being bereaved, and love each other. I said to my class this morning, one of the joys of coming to church is not just getting the word, but getting around other people. Iron sharpening iron and fellowshipping with one another. And two, two, two folks said, they said, Pastor, when we're not here, that world out there is a rough place. Can I get an Amen. I mean, it will chew you up and spit you out. And that's why we need to come in here and love each other. Listen, that's a hateful world. It's a lying world. It's a, you know why they're like that? Because they don't know God. Aren't you glad that on a Sunday you can come up in here and see somebody else got the same Holy Ghost inside of them, headed to the same heaven, reading the same Bible, been washed in the same blood, been related to the same Jesus, can, can pray to the same Father. We can walk up in the church of God and listen to the song start off at the beginning of service and know that every mountain he's brought us over and every valley he's brought us through and every blessing he's raised down from heaven and we can lift our hands and lift our voices and give God the praise because he's worthy of our praise. That your love may abound. Here's what Paul's saying. It's, if, if we can get our love right, everything else will be in check. Remember, remember Jesus said to Peter, John 21, we looked at last week, Simon, Lovest thou me? He's talking about agape. And Simon said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love you like a friend. No, 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 no. Do you love me like I love you? I love you like a friend. And last time he said, you love me like a friend? Yeah, I love you like a friend. Hey, and let me tell you something. You will not serve God in this crazy world if you just love him like a friend. Amen. You're going to have to love him like he loves you. Amen. Love took Jesus to Calvary. Where's your love taking you lately? Say, my love ran out of gas. And you got something besides love because love doesn't run out of gas because God is love and he never runs out of gas. <laughs> Abound more and more. Say it with me, more and more. Say it again, more and more. So, so here's the challenge from, from me to you. Whatever good's in you. You got anything good in you? If you do, God put it there. Hey, isn't it time in 2024 that whatever good is in us abounds more and more? Hey, listen, wouldn't you want this year to give you more good than you had than you had last year? If you're doing something good, don't you want to do more of it? If, if you're doing something well, don't you want to do more of it? Hey, hey, listen, if you're worshiping it is good, don't you want to worship more and more? If you're loving it is good, don't you want to love more and more? If you're serving it is good, don't you want to serve more and more? If you're giving it is good, don't you want to give more and more? If you're building up others and in, 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 in it's good, don't you want to build up others more and more? If your marriage is good, don't you want your marriage to be better more and more? It's about time we stop sitting. It's about time we stop plateauing. By the way, in the Christian life, you're not going forward. You're not, you're going backwards. You're never sitting still. Hey, listen, Jesus is coming back one day. Amen. How many of you ready for the trumpet to sound? I am. It could sound right now while I'm preaching. I'm, I'm telling you what, I mean, right now, if the trumpet sounds, I'm up out of here, out of here. Then my father-in-law can finish the rest of the service. No, I'm just kidding. All right, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm just kidding. He's going up too. Amen. More and more. Now, I want us to look at the beginning of this text, if you would, and I want to give us a few thoughts today. Because as we talk about this more and more, I want you to see how Paul worked his way up to this text, which has become our theme for 2024. Let me just give you a couple thoughts out of this 
passage, verse number one. First of all, if you're taking notes, the introductory greeting. Paul's going to begin this letter with a greeting. Now, here's a pet peeve of mine. This is a good time within the text to put it in there. Before you start running into a conversation with people, you should issue a greeting. I'm just saying. See, see I'm, if I haven't talked to you all week long, you shouldn't just jump in the middle of the day and say, so I need da-da-da-da-da. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Pastor, why are you saying that? Because a bunch of y'all don't know how to do that. You do it with each other. That's, that's called good manners. You don't know what anybody's going through. I have people asking me questions just out of the blue. Hey, what's sudden about this one? You know what I was doing? I was fighting for my life in the hospital. That's why it, it, it pays you before you go asking somebody for something out of the blue that you just say, good afternoon, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, I hope you're not, not, hey, can you give me such and such? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Paul didn't start his letters that way because he thought it was important out of respect to give people a proper greeting. Let the church say amen. Get it together. Here's giving a greeting. Now listen how Paul gives a greeting to the church. Anybody know what Paul was? An apostle. Anybody know what Paul was? A missionary. You know who Paul saw before Jesus went to heaven? Paul saw the resurrected Christ. Paul saw Jesus face to face. You know what Paul did that nobody else in the Bible did? He got called all the way up to heaven. Read it, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll get there in our study on Sunday night. He said it was so good, God had to give me a minister of Satan to keep me humble. Yeah, if you went to heaven and came back, you'd need something to keep you humble too. That's how good it was. He said, I couldn't even come up with the words. I was caught up in the third heaven, the third heaven, past, past uh, the firmament, past space in the galaxies, the third heaven, literally where God was. I'm just trying to establish that Paul had some clout. And if Paul were the average apostle, so-called apostle, or hierarchy leader in churches today, and he were writing a letter, he'd have probably begun it, begun it something like this. Paul, an apostle, the one who's seen the resurrected Lord, the one who was trained at the feet of Gamaliel, the one who was a, 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 train, a, a member of the Sanhedrin, the one who was the, 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 a Pharisee of Pharisees, the one who learned multiple languages, the one who went into Athens and, and dropped the mic, the one who mentored people like no, none have ever, the one who started more churches than any else to start. The one who went to jail got out of jail and went back to preach. Oh yeah, folks, before you read my letter, you need to know my credentials. But he didn't start that way. He didn't list his credentials. Listen to what he called himself, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you ought to listen to this man when he talks. Because he didn't flaunt his position. Paul, you know what Paul probably would say? Y'all might label me as a VIP, but I tell you what I call myself. A slave. That's what servant means. Maybe the reason why I'm, you have a good message as a Christian, huh? But, but, but you don't have good members listening to your message. M maybe you go around telling people all about Jesus all the time, but nobody wants to hear it because you're too full of yourself. Paul, a servant. Notice his self-classification. 
I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, at the bottom of all that we do, at the bottom of all that we do is our self-classification. We are servants. Yes, I'm your pastor, but I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I may be a leader, but I'm a servant of the Lord. You may be a choir member, but you're a servant of the Lord. You may be a deacon, but you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be a Sunday school teacher, but you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be a bus captain, but you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be an usher, but you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may make sick figures, but you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have qualifications out in the world that put you up in status, but at the end of the day, you are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's who we are, but when we really start living for God and abounding more and more, it's how we classify ourselves. Self-classification. Notice the specific congregation. He says, I'm writing as a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul and Timotheus, Timothy's with me. And then he talks about at Philippi. So, so, so I'm writing to a specific church. And why, why is that important? Because Paul understood in his letters that local churches matter. Let me say that again. Some of you looking for some shouting preaching. You better listen for some substantial preaching. Being in a good local church matters. You need to get around people that keep you accountable. Come on, help me preach. I don't need to go to church. I serve God all by myself. Yep, and you're in a bunch of foolishness too. You need somebody checking you. Amen. You, 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 need, you, you need members keeping you accountable. People calling me wondering where I was. You better be glad they do. Paul understood, the, listen to me, we understand that every person that is saved is ultimately a part of the family of God. And one day, we're all going to be one big church in heaven. But right now, while we're on earth, God is manifesting his power through the local New Testament. I'm saying wherever you live, wherever you are, you need to be a part of a good local New Testament church. I was telling my class this morning, can't tell you how many Christians I run into. They've been saved for 20, 30, 40 years. They have no biblical common sense. They have no spiritual instincts. What should be old hat, what should be basic. They don't know. They're saved and they're going to heaven because they have Jesus inside of them. They've been washed in the blood. When you ask them simple questions about what's wrong, what's right, where they should go, what's, what, you ask them about spiritual gifts, you ask them about what the Bible says. I never heard that. Where you get that from? I'll tell you what happens. They've never been in a good local New Testament. You ought to be thankful today that you can come on a Sunday morning and not just tap your foot, clap your hands, run in circles and scream, but you can come in here and get some good truth. I told my class, if you go to a restaurant, you expect to eat. If you come to church, you should expect to be fed. Amen. Let me tell you what else I told my class. I'm going to tell them again. We go out of town. We, uh, we have some spots. We Listen, two things when you go on vacation. Okay. You need a good place to stay and good places to eat. And I hear people say all the time, I'm going on vacation. The room was terrible, but you know they got lots of amusement parks. Listen, you sleeping on that bed. You got to be staying in a nice, so good, at least comfortable and clean in the other order. Clean and comfortable. Equal. Tie for first. Uh, but we have some food places that we like to eat. And, and one of them is Paula Dean. Because Paula Dean is, is family style. It's all you can eat. She makes good fried chicken. She makes good cat, fried catfish. Good, good yams. And uh, so we're going to go there. It's family style. You got to pay a price for every single person. You can eat as much as you can, but can't take none home. So we get up that morning. I, I, I plan the, the restaurants. You know, I start praying about them weeks in advance. 
I know we're going to Paula Dean's. I know we're going at 5 o'clock. That's when I typically like to eat dinner. So, so as we're, we're going through the day. We get up in the morning, and, and the, the, you know, the family's like, ooh, uh, uh, ooh, can we eat some of that? Uh-uh, don't eat it. Go to the amusement park. Ooh, they got a turkey leg. Don't touch it. We get back to the room. Oh, I'm going to go downstairs and get some, get a, you know, get a hot dog, get some. Don't eat it. Because we want to Paula Dean. And I'm going to pay a price for you to eat all you can eat. And I don't want you at an all you can eat place full before you get there. Because then I've paid for something that's available, but although the food is available, the appetite is not available because it has been filled up and occupied before you came to, somebody help me preach now. I'm telling some of y'all can't get nothing from church because you're full before you get here. And Jesus died so that you might have life and have it more abundantly, but you don't have an appetite to receive it because you've been a glutton on foolishness. Preach, Pastor. So I'm saying you might want to plan before you come to church. Uh-uh, don't eat that. On Sunday morning, uh-uh, don't turn that on. It's going to mess up my appetite. Come on now. Don't, haven't, you, haven't you said to people, don't talk about that at the table. That messes up my appetite. Well, why were you talking about what you talked about before you came to church? You messed up your appetite. Now you don't want to eat. Good food. Ain't nothing make a cook more frustrated. I cook good food and you tell me I don't want to eat it. I don't have an appetite. You know what I went through to cook this? You know, God took 40 men over a 1600 period time and produced a manuscript that's inspired, infallible, and inerrant. It's perfect, it's prophetic, it's pure, it's preserved, it's probing, it's potent, it's powerful, it's piercing, it's penetrating, it's precious, and it's profitable. This is not some little scrapbook that some man wrote down sitting at Cracker Barrel waiting for his pancakes. This is a, an infallible, inerrant, inspired word that God breathed into the hearts of 40 different men over 1600 period time. God went through too much to give you a Bible for you to come to church too full to eat it. Now Paul said, I'm writing to a congregation because I believe in the local church. Who's in the congregation? Well, all lay people. Notice what he says. To the saints. To the saints. See, I know what a saint is. A saint is a person on the stained glass of a Catholic cathedral. Wrong. A saint is a holy one set apart for a special purpose, which means every born-again believer washed in the blood is a saint. So Paul said, when I write a letter to the church, guess what? Every saint is on level ground. Aren't you glad that we don't have status levels in here? If you, if you make more money, you got to sit in a certain seat. If you're a different color, you got to sit in a certain way. If you come from a different, if you speak with an accent, you got to, no, 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 no. See, when you go into, when you get into the church of the living God, everybody's on the same level playing field. But you know why? Because we all came through the same door. All lay people, saints. But then notice the acknowledged leaders. To the bishops and Deacons. These are the officers of the church. One of the Baptist distinctives that we have two officers in the church. Notice the word bishops, plural. There were multiple pastors there. 
and deacons. Now this is for a note for your, your own personal study. The word bishop in scripture is used interchangeably, the same office of elder and pastor. And the, the distinction between the words is, is what each one is associated with. A bishop gives the connotation of an overseer, an elder of one that is experienced, and a pastor of one that shepherds. But each one of those terms is used for the same office. Why are you saying that? Because now we're living in a day and age where people put a title on themselves because they like it. Who are you? I'm a bishop. Well, who told you that? I did. That means I'm not a pastor. That means I'm pastoring multiple churches. That sounds good, but it's not in the Bible. How many of you believe if not in the Bible, we shouldn't do it? Well, the rest of you should catch up with us. Let me quit here after I give you this one. This is Paul. Self-classification, I'm a servant, specific congregation. To the saints that are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. He acknowledged the leaders. You know, what he, you know what Paul understood? That churches are made up of lay people and leaders. And you need both. Let me say that again. I said it's made up of lay people and leaders and you need both. People need the tithe and the leaders need the tithe too. Amen. Lay people need to live right and the leaders need to live right too. Leaders need to come to church and lay people need to come to church too. Well, I can miss. I'm not the pastor. No, no, no. But you remember, you're just as obligated. Lost a few of you. We're still in the book. Self-classification, specific congregation. Then let me touch on this one. A stated consolation. Of all of the words that Paul could use to greet the Philippians, I'm intrigued that the two he picked were grace and peace. Grace and peace. Why didn't he say love, holiness? Huh? Grace and peace. It's going to take me two weeks to deal with grace and peace. But I just want to give you a thought to write in your notes. Grace is the foundational root. Peace is the fruitful result. Grace is the foundational root. Peace is the fruitful. You can't get peace if you don't have grace. Because you can't get saved if you don't have grace. Oh, you don't believe me. Ephesians 2, 8, 4, by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should. What is grace? What is grace? It is charis in the Greek. It's unmerited favor. It's when somebody does good to you, not because you deserve it. It's when somebody does good to you out of the kindness of their heart just because they love. Listen, I'm glad that I'm not, I'm, I'm not saved because of me. Otherwise, I could brag on it. I'm not saved because of my parents. Otherwise, they could take credit for it. Hey, God has a lot of children, but he don't have no grandchildren. You're not saved because your parents are saved. You're saved because when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of some. You're God's child because he looked beyond your fault and he saw your need. While we yet sinners, Christ died for us. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Don't you think you deserved heaven? Don't you think you warranted heaven? Don't you think you merited heaven? You're saved because God saw you when you could not give to him. He came to you and ladies and gentlemen, that's great. Grace. But here's the fruitful result. 
peace, shalom. That's what the Hebrews would say to each other. Shalom alechem. That's what the Hebrews would say. Peace to you. Alechem shalom. Same to you. Peace. It was a greeting. It was, it, it was what Hebrews would exchange by way of pleasantries when, when they would meet each other. But, but to the Jew, it was far more than just a greeting. As a matter of fact, we think peace is just the absence of, of conflict, don't we? Those countries are at peace with each other. You know the problem with that definition of peace? It might change tomorrow if somebody in charge of that country decides to shoot a bomb. Peace is not the mere absence of conflict, right? No, no, no. Peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness, health. Prosperity. See, see, see that, that's what peace is. See, 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 conflict can be going all around you. But when you got peace in the middle of that conflict, you got wholeness, you got completeness, you got health and prosperity. That's why Jesus said to those disciples when they were getting ready to, when he was getting ready to leave, peace I give unto you. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have over, look, you're going to go out to that job tomorrow. There are going to be crazy people there. You're going to go to that doctor. He might give you a diagnosis that's not in your favor. You might go to somebody that cuts you off on I-95. You might read something on social media that's full of lies and degradation. And you might say, my life is full of stress. I have no peace. But ladies and gentlemen, you're getting it from all the wrong places. You don't get peace because they say, speak good on Facebook about you. You don't get peace because you get a good diagnosis from the doctor. You don't get peace because the person lets you in when you flash your blinkers. You get peace because you know the God of peace. And when Jesus reigns into your heart, even though there are storms all around you, listen to me. Peace is not that I don't have problems. Peace is that my problems don't have me. Shalom. That's what he says. Shalom. Paul said, I'm in jail. I'm in jail. But I'm okay. Because these Romans can't take my peace. <laughs> and suddenly with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts. Remember the shepherds? Saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Isaiah said, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and they shall call his name Jesus and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of. I wonder if anybody needs peace this morning. Listen to Paul. Your love needs to abound more and more. But before we get to that point, let me greet you. And as I greet you, what greater way to greet you than with the foundational root and the fruitful result? You get saved because of grace. And because of God's grace, now you who were enemies of God have been reconciled back to God and grace segues to peace. Shalom. Father, thank you. Thank you that you knew what you were doing when you were talking to these men in your scripture. Help us as a church to hear what God is saying through his man. 
heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. Pastor, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, and I know it. By grace, I've been saved. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Would you raise your hand all over the building? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. God bless you. God bless you. Put your hands down. Pastor, I'm, I am saved, but God is speaking to me about my commitment to him. God is dealing with me about my walk with him. God is challenging me, Pastor. And this morning, as a, as a church member, as, as a child of God, I want to be in my place. And I want to hear what Paul is saying to me about more and more. But I want to begin by hearing what he said to the church at Philippi. You're in a local church. And as I greet you as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, I greet you with grace and peace. Pastor, God spoke to my heart as a servant of Christ this morning. Would you put your hand up? God bless you. God bless you. Now you do what you do what you're supposed to do with the word of God. Well, I'm going to tell you to I worry about the preachers that want to tell people what to do with the word of God. You, you, you know who you are. Holy Spirit, you take what God gave you this morning and you work it into your Christian life. You be better. Last question. I wonder if there's anyone in here who said, Preacher, I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven. But I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Anybody like that? I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Would you please pray? Please pray for me. Anybody like that? Would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you? Anyone? Just raise it up long enough for me to see you. you're here today and you don't have a church home or you're looking to inquire about church membership or being a part of Crossroads Baptist Church would you see one of us after the service we'd be glad to talk with you about it why because every child of God needs to be in a good church let the church say amen We have people drive long distances to be here. It's not because they don't pass other buildings on, along the way. It's because this is where they believe God has sent them. And I'm very humbled as a pastor. And many of them would drive miles and miles past a multitude of churches to be here. And I take the responsibility of feeding them seriously. Now, you take the responsibility of having an appetite seriously. Amen. You might have to deny some other things so that when you come to the smorgasbord, you have room to receive. Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for being good. Thank you for being great. 
We love you and we bless you. In your name we fight. Now I pray, Father God, that you take what we've heard today, that you use it to strengthen us to be better Christians for you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Would you say amen? Amen.